Welcome to the Green Moxie Campfire Chronicles podcast, where we relate your campfire stories of backwards adventure and close encounters of the fur kind. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast for free monthly camping tales. I recently went on a little solo camping adventure. It was going well, but then I had to cut it short. Here's the story. I've always been skeptical, but equally in awe of hermits and the solitary lives that they lead. Every single bone in our body says that we should trust our community and that there is safety in the numbers of those around us. But a hermit decides to shun all of that, goes at it solo, takes on the cave, takes on the woods, and says, nature, bring it on, I'm here by myself. I love the outdoors, but my camping adventures usually involve other people. Most of the time, they're people that are happy to be there and they know what we're up to. I've sprung it on a few people, a couple unsuspecting newbies, but I always bring someone along. You see, I have a healthy fear, or should I say, I have a healthy respect and fear for all those brown and furry things out there. Have you seen the size of bears? Moose antlers could take it clear out in one swipe. Cougars? Coyotes? They wouldn't think twice about making you dinner. If we're being honest here, even a little squirrel, unsuspectingly, coming up at me at night in the dark, is enough to have me screeching and running for safety. Now, I recently bought this really gorgeous 30-acre lot of premium wild Canadian woodland. And I also wanted to embrace this inner hermit I've been shunning. I wanted to get to know this little patch of green land that I bought. And to do so, I thought that I should wander in all by myself. Now, looking back on it, it seems downright dumb to impose these ridiculous standards of ownership on myself. But I told myself, if I'm going to be a true landowner, I must be able to stay in my woods alone. But in hindsight, it feels like this is the same kind of juvenile idea that tells you to be a man, you must be able to shotgun a bear. I should have known better. Mind you, I'm no city slicker. This isn't my first rodeo after all. I'm a fairly experienced camper. My bushcraft game, I give myself an A to an A+. I think I just felt like I needed to earn myself a solo camper badge. So with a little bit of trepidation, I checked the weather and saw, to my relief, it was going to be a warm and sunny day. As to my earlier comment about being juvenile and amping things up bro style when I don't need to, I also had someone drop me off. I wasn't going to take my car because I didn't want to have that option should things get rough, I can bail out and go back home to my warm and comfy bed. I did bring my cell phone. I may be crazy, but I'm not careless. But of course, as soon as I got out there, I realized it was completely useless. I got no signal in the woods. 
I packed a couple days worth of food, just in case, and I also packed my camera. I wanted to take some pictures of a few potential spots for the cabin that I was planning on building in the fall time. I was excited. I never had a deed to my name before. I was proud to be a landowner and and I had this dream all of my life that I was going to live in the woods and it had come true. My neighbor Hal had been kind enough to give me a lift and as I hopped out of the car, stood on the side of the road and I watched his car bump off into the distance till eventually he rounded the corner and he was out of view. I swung this heavy bag onto my shoulder, turned around and faced the woods, took a deep breath. My woods. There was a short driveway at the front of the property, but it ended very quickly and it was just a little dirt path. And from there, the going got fairly tough pretty quickly. No one had ever lived on this plot of land before, so there was no convenient hiking trails cut into any of the undergrowth. The very first obstacle I encountered was this patch of cedar trees that grew so close together I could hardly squeeze in between the trunks. There was brittle, dead, lower branches that kept raking across my legs and whipped me in my face. My backpack, on the other hand, kept getting stuck, and by the time I emerged into the hardwood forest, I was completely scratched, hot, and definitely a bit irritated. But now that I was amongst the hardwoods, the going got a lot easier. There wasn't much undergrowth for me to contend with. I just hopped over some deadfall here or there. So a lot of this earlier enthusiasm I was feeling was now returning. I was happy, even a little bit smug. But then nature was there to remind me where I was. I felt this sharp pinprick, this sharp pinprick of a horsefly biting me on the juicy, exposed, fresh skin on my neck. All of a sudden there was another bite, then one on my arm, another one on my other arm, Back on my neck again. And it wasn't just horse flies. They'd all come out to greet me. There was mosquitoes. There was black flies. They bit me all over. And so eventually when it just got to be too much, I threw off my backpack, doing this silly dance, trying to keep them off of me while I rooted around trying to find the bug spray that I'd packed. I'd also brought a long sleeve shirt and a hat, and so... By the time I'd gotten all that gear out and put on and sprayed, I only had the skin on my face showing. Mind you, this sunshine I was so happy about earlier in the morning was now stiflingly hot as it shone down on me. But I got myself sorted out again, and then the day improved once more. Also, this hardwood section of the forest was really nice because it had a lot of shade and really gorgeous a lot of old trees that must have been at least a hundred years old i found this stream and it was zigzagging through my woods the water was really clear it was refreshing i was happy 
So I found a great place nearby to camp, and around lunchtime I set up my tent. I put my pack inside of the tent, took out a little bit of lunch, enjoyed it, and then grabbed the camera. I started meandering around. I wanted to find some of these potential spots where I could build my cabin. I even splashed around in the stream for a while, being a silly goose, and really I enjoyed the hell out of myself for the entirety of the afternoon. I was feeling very lucky and realized how blessed I was, how blessed I am. I couldn't believe it. This lovely little slice of woodland was my own heaven. It belonged to me. I was having so much fun throughout the day, I completely lost track of time. It was only when the light began to fade, the sun was setting, that I decided to head back to my tent. I gathered a little bit of firewood while I was walking back. Mind you, I hadn't intended on being away from the campsite for so long. It, well, it just kind of happens when you're having a good time. Once or twice during the day, my more rational side would kick in and I worried about the fact that a bear could definitely be attracted to the smell of the delicious food I had in my backpack. I knew that I should have taken the time to hang it up and set up my camp properly. So when I got back to my campsite and did a quick glance around, I was at a bit more ease. Everything was fine. Everything was quiet. I got the firewood ready. I grabbed a little birch bark for kindling so I could get this fire started. And then I realized, oh right, matches. So I headed over to the tent for my pack. And I saw a little bit of movement. I froze. I walked around to the back of the tent, to the rear door, and I approached with extreme caution. When I was close enough, I reached forward and opened the zipper on the door just a little bit and peeked in. There, sitting on top of my pack, was a giant skunk. I remember my brother getting sprayed by a skunk when we were kids. Now, we all know that a skunk spray stinks, without a doubt. But it's not until you get up close and personal that you realize just how effective a defense mechanism it is. Back then when it happened, I remember we could hear him from a few blocks away. He was screaming and he was running back to the house at full sprint. And I ran out to see what all this fuss was about. And I recall being hit by this wall of a smell. It was so strong and powerful it took my breath away. It had me on the ground. I was heaving. My eyes were streaming. I was bent double, trying desperately to get away from it. From him. He ran straight into the house looking to get help. Which turned out to be a big mistake because it smelt up the whole house for weeks. That nasty skunk smell permeated everything. Tomato juice, peroxide... Whatever home remedy you've heard of, we tried it, and some more. 
nothing worked. My mother at the time was walking around the house. She'd always be sniffing the air suspiciously, demanding to know where's that smell coming from. Like we'd somehow hidden it from her and were trying to keep the place nasty. Yeah, we want to be in this hell hole. But back to my current predicament. I recoiled immediately from the tent and this childhood scene with that skunk that had left me with this bad memory flashed through my mind. How had this damn thing gotten in the tent? So I got down on my hands and knees and peeked in under the tent's vestibule. And then I saw it. I hadn't quite closed the tent zipper all the way. And now it was in there. It was most likely feasting on my eggs I'd packed. I started to run through some options in my head. And I didn't really come up with a whole lot. But there was one thing I knew for sure, which was, if I scared this thing, it was going to be spraying all over my tent, all over my sleeping bag, my pack, everything I'd brought. And if that's going to happen, it will make for a rather unpleasant night. So I decided, all right, skunk, finish those eggs. They're yours. I don't want them anymore. Congratulations, you found a way in. You win. But once those are done, I'm going to need you out of there. I'm decisive like that. I'm a man of action. I backed away from the tent and decided to go sit by the fire to figure out my next move. Oh, right. I don't have a fire because those matches were in the tent with that skunk. I felt like a chump. And sitting there contemplating my life, while the sun dipped lower into the horizon, I realized this was not my finest hour. But I was not going to let this skunk or this little patch of green land that I own get the best of me. These were the challenges I was going to face. So I came up with a plan. Half-baked plan, but I came up with a plan nonetheless. I fumbled through the darkness of the woods until I found this really nice, long, thin stick. The kind of stick that would be perfect for roasting marshmallows on. But that's not what I was doing today. Stick in hand, I slowly stalked my way back to the tent. And I tried to move as quietly as I could. But to me, every step still sounded as thunderous as a bear plodding through a thick bush. Eventually, I made it up to the tent, and I slowly slipped the tip of the stick through the zipper and started to open up the vestibule. There was a mad thrashing around the tent, so I stopped immediately and waited for five minutes until the ruckus died down inside. Everything quiet again, I tried once more. I took the tip of the stick put it through the zipper in the vestibule, and then moved ever so slowly. 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I had lost track of time. My only mission was to make zero sound until eventually I finally got that vestibule completely open again. Using that same stick I just used for the zipper, I carefully drew the loose end away from the door, and then laid it back on the tent. Now for the tent door. 
My legs had also started cramping up a bit. I slowly sat down from my previous squatting position. In my mind, I had squatted because I wanted to be able to run if I needed to, but that ship had clearly sailed. So on my ass, I took another deep breath and tried to feed the tip of the stick through the zipper of the door. Oh, no. I had accidentally touched the side of the tent with that stick and it angered the beast within. I could see it now through the mesh and it was running around in mad circles. And then it raised its tail. I froze again. Oh God, is this thing going to spray? I held my breath and I waited. Luckily, after a minute or two, it backed off from the door and then went back to my pack. It was rooting through and wouldn't you know it, it found the trail mix that I'd also packed. As it was gnawing through the packaging, I tried again. This time, I managed to get the stick through the zipper. Now all I had to do was the slowest, quietest door opening in camping history. No small feat. I again started ever so slowly. And I got the door about halfway open when a light evening breeze blew in and moved the fabric and it got caught in the zipper. Seriously? Are you kidding me? <sighs> okay, on to plan C. The door would just have to work the way it was. Certainly there was enough room for it to get out. So despite my aching legs, I used my rather exceptional ninja stealth skills, and then I snuck around to the other side of the tent. Using the same stick I'd been using up until now, I gave the tent an ever-so-gentle tap on the back. The idea being that it was going to scare the skunk, it was going to run through that half-opening in the door, off into the darkness of the night. Problem solved. Instead, the skunk decided to turn towards me, burying its teeth, and it charged at the stick. I had no idea these creatures were so fierce. I'll be honest, I dropped that thing and I ran. Having retreated into the woods, I gathered myself before I sheepishly came back to the campsite, picked up my stick, and tried again. I was still in front of the tent, but this time the skunk was waiting for me. It had enough, and as I bent down to get that stick, it let me have it, with both barrels. These two streams of yellow stink shot out of its butt, sailed through the air, through the tent mesh, and hit me dead in the face. Luckily, my eyes were closed, but my mouth was wide open. I got skunk spray right in my mouth. In my mouth! That wretched smell took my breath away. I was furiously wiping at my tongue using my sleeve and ran straight towards the stream. I was tripping over all kinds of undergrowth and screaming about as loud as my brother did when it happened to him. When I finally got there, I fell to my knees. I shoved my face into the stream and just let that cool ice water wash all over me. I dug my hands into the river sand and brought up handfuls, rubbing it over my face in an attempt to scour off the stink, but that of course made no difference. 
I splashed my face for at least 10 minutes with that water until the nausea started to subside a little bit. The smell? Worse than anything I have ever experienced. My eyes and nose were burning. That smell was so terrible, it was physically causing me pain. Awful. Just downright awful. I'd had enough. I marched on over back to my campsite. I checked the tent. And of course, the skunk was gone now that it had done its smelly deed. So I packed up my tent. I took all this stinky gear, shoved it into my pack, found the flashlight, and I started off through the woods. Occasionally, I would stop to retch in the undergrowth. I never got used to that smell and the horrible taste of my mouth. I made it back to the road in record time. Marching back up the hill, I walked with one eye on my phone until finally I got those two bars I needed and I made a phone call. I called my neighbor. Hal, I need you to come get me right now. And Hal, it's probably best if you bring the pickup. He, of course, asked why. And I just said, skunk. I didn't need to say anymore. He completely understood exactly what happened. Luckily, Hal made it there in about 15 minutes. He made sure to keep his windows firmly closed and he waved me to the back of the truck from the inside. I threw over my pack, I hopped on myself, and then we headed off back home. I was sulking in the back as this stench of skunk was trailing behind us the entire ride. When we finally got home, I found my front door open. Uh, my neighbor, Hal, his wife, Sue, had been kind enough to draw me a bath. It was a mixture of peroxide and dishwashing soap, and I hung out in there for hours. I soaked the gear for the remainder of the night. On hot summer days, when it gets really humid out and the wind starts to blow just right and you get that faint whiff of skunk, you will find me, I'm retching in a flower bed somewhere, reevaluating these bushcraft skills I thought I had. What's your food situation like when you're out on your own camping adventures? Please don't tell me it's that dehydrated stuff in a plastic bag. You deserve better. And we just so happen to have written a book about how you can up your game. It's called The Flaming Marshmallows Guide to Campfire Cooking. We have it available in two formats. You can get it as a paperback or as an ebook. Just visit our website, greenmoxie.com. The book is chock full of delicious, simple recipes, and we made sure to photograph every single one of them so you can see exactly what they turn out like. And on our website, you'll even find a few samples. Maybe green living is on your mind. In that case, check out Green Moxie's practical, or should I say, fun guide to sustainable living. There's all kinds of fun DIY projects in there. And once again, we photographed everything so you can see what it will turn out like. For both of these books, visit our website, greenmoxie.com.
Thanks for listening to the Green Moxie Campfire Chronicles podcast. If you enjoyed our podcast, share and like it. Want to hear more? Subscribe on iTunes. Happy trails, partner.